All right. Well, um, not what we were expecting today. On a Friday afternoon, Yankees go down 4-2 to to the Cleveland Guardians in the ALDS. I am Casey, the producer of New York's number two sports show here with uh, the person that everyone at <laughs> everyone that subscribes knows, Derek. And uh, Derek, man, uh, we watched this game together. We were texting back and forth. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything kind of like our worst nightmare, really. Yeah, th- this was a pivotal game, too. And first off, I kind of felt like um, once I knew that there was a rain out the night before, and this is this. I'm not trying to have this come off as an excuse. This is works for both Cleveland and the Yankees. Although it takes a little bit away of the home field advantage. Um, I, I, I find with it being an afternoon, a Friday afternoon game, it felt like the crowd wasn't as into it. I, I was at game one um, and you can feel the electricity. It didn't feel quite that way in game two. It was just more of a, maybe just the, the pessimist in me. I uh, didn't love how that happened but in terms of the actual game itself this was a pivotal game yeah a really big game for cleveland and the yankees where on the one hand you know there's certainly pressure on the guardians you don't want to go down 2-0 but also for the yankees you want to hold serve and win both home games in a best of five so i feel like this was a pretty pivotal game and, and it did not go the yankees way yeah absolutely i mean i just feel like the uh the sense of urgency wasn't quite there for the yankees and uh you know just to kind of just a note, you know, Bieber was pitching today and Bieber was someone that the Yankees have had success with uh, in the playoffs in uh, 2020, uh, where we kind of beat him up pretty handily from what I recall. So, um, you know, you think that coming into this that you feel pretty good about it. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, after giving up that one home run, which we'll we'll touch on soon, uh, he kind of settled in and then Cleveland kind of did what Cleveland does. They kind of just... Uh, you know, got hit after hit, and the pitching uh, came through for them, and Yankees really couldn't do much. Yeah, I mean, Shane Bieber, who is considered Cleveland's ace, the Yankees have had success against him. Yeah. And Nestor Cortez Jr. Uh, has arguably really been the true ace of the staff this year. So at Yankee Stadium, you kind of didn't hate that matchup, and and that's where we'll we'll touch on this, you know, sort of towards the end of the episode. But when you look ahead, um, you know, Tristan McKenzie uh, in Cleveland, especially, that's not going to be an easy match. Game three will not be easy for the Yankees. Not now, Luis all. Severino, Luis Severino, you like what you saw t- down the stretch there, but you know, I, I kind of felt like Bieber versus Cortez. You know, I was hopeful that that could go the Yankees' way, especially with it being at home. Um, and so it's disappointing because once you get into a bullpen setup, that's where you lose that edge completely. And that's where the Yankees, they've really lost a lot of I mean, whether it be recently or earlier in the season, the Yankees have lost a lot of key arms. And so they're, they're a little bit thin down there. Yeah. And we saw that as the game kind of went on, uh, it got away from them. Right, absolutely. And, you know, kind of like you were saying, having Cortez on the mound, you think you'd feel pretty good. And, you know, he pitched decently, I would say, overall. But, you know, you could tell if you watched the game that he wasn't quite the Nestor Cortez that we've come to really get used to. Or, you know, maybe we took that a little bit for granted. But, uh, yeah, he just didn't quite have it. And, um, yeah, and then we had to go into the into our relief, our bullpen. And, uh, you know, they kind of were a little shaky, as we expected. So, um, yeah, let's just get right into it. I mean, you know, the one shining thing that uh, happened for us today was that we 
got off to a two nothing lead with Stanton hitting that home run. You want to just kind of go through that? Yeah, yeah. So let, let, let's get into the game. Um, and one lineup, one lineup tweak, which made sense, and we'll get into things on a more individual basis. I think as we speak about what happened in this game. But Josh Donaldson moves up to the five spot as well. Cabrera moves down to six, which. Made sense. I mean, based on what had happened in game one, Donaldson played pretty well, as Waldo, not so much. And those two things kind of continued in game two. Um, but yeah, the, the Yankees strike first. And, and this was after Nestor kind of gets into a little bit of trouble in the top of the first. You get a leadoff bunt single by Stephen Kwan. Ahmed Rosario singles. We'll bring him back up. Um, but then, you know, Jose Ramirez on first pitch flies out. And then you get a double play by Oscar Gonzalez, leading uh, to what you said. The first inning, Giancarlo Stanton is up with a runner on first and two out, and there's a 3-1 pitch where, and, and you know, these umps in general are terrible. I thought this ump today was really bad. Uh, it's a called strike on a pitch that was definitely ball four. Yeah. However, it ends up working in the Yankee fi- in the Yankees' favor as Giancarlo Stanton hits an opposite field two-run shot to give the Yankees a two-nothing lead. So you're feeling good about things, and Giancarlo Stanton's, uh, I guess, postseason prowess after a really bad 2018 series against the Red Sox. Ever since then, he really is a guy you look to to come through postseason, and he does it again. Yeah, he has, you know, he has come through in some clutch moments. And yeah, going up to nothing, you know, you feel pretty good. You know, you kind of feel like it's a continuation of game one. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that was all the runs scored. Uh, you know, which we, we should just kind of address the elephant in the room. But Aaron Judge, you know, very disappointing start to this postseason. I mean, he had four strikeouts today. That was eight in a row before he grounded out at his fifth at bat. But, you know, I just, again, as somebody that we've been relying on to come through for us, nothing. Yeah, the, it's, I don't know if I want to call it a concern, but it's definitely, it's a thing. Um, and, and we saw that Aaron Judge down the stretch wasn't quite as sharp. And you can understand why I, I the home run chase had to have been in his head. There's no, there's no, Absolutely. there's, and, and I understand that. So maybe he got into some bad habits today. And, and Aaron Boone was using this as an excuse. And I guess it's true. And, and I guess it should have been part of my opening mm-hmm. was that the shadows did play a role right. for everyone. Um, but Aaron Judge, who didn't look great in game one and just a ton of strikeouts. So until he had that last ground out, the first seven outs that he made were all via strikeout. And that's that's old Aaron Judge stuff. That's things that we used to see. Right. And I think his postseason numbers, ever since, there's a bit of a turning point, I guess, but I don't think it's fully fair to say this because there, there were some big moments pre and post this. But if you remember, in 2018 uh, against the Red Sox, when he had the boom box playing New York, New York, after they beat Boston and Fenway, and it was kind of a rallying cry for Boston after. Yep. Probably pre and post that, I, I think. But again, I don't, I don't want to use that as like the mark, the demarcation where it's like, that's it. Um, judges postseason numbers simply are, are a little bit underwhelming. And so there's two conversations to be had here. And, and maybe it's not fair to get into the postseason talk on such a small sample. Yeah. But look, like, long story short is this. He was amazing this year. But if he does flounder the rest of the postseason, I'm sorry. Yankee fans won't forget that, and I, and I won't forget that either. So it's early, 
but a really, really ugly beginning for Aaron Judge. Yeah, he really needs to step up in these next, uh, hopefully, next two games, and that's it in Cleveland because um, we really need him to come through. Um, just someone else to touch on, Oswaldo Cabrera has just been um, lost. I mean, there was two at-bats that I can recall from this game where he just swung at strike three, which was clearly a ball four or just a ball out of right. of the zone. And... Um, you know, I really am hoping that Ben Attendee could somehow get back in here at some point. Yeah, as Waldo, that's the other key guy. And Judge, you know, is going nowhere. As Waldo, though, the conversation needs to be had. Does he start game three? Which I hate because now, now the Andrew Ben Attendee thing is very important. And I hope if we do get to the ALCS, you really, really hope that Andrew Ben Attendee is healthy because that's. Um, that that's enormous and, and you know there was even a time i think that we could have maybe talked ourselves into if as waldo continued to do well we could have possibly talked ourselves into okay well maybe benintendi somehow starts on on the bench but now no chance right and any and even further as much as i don't i do not like aaron hicks like i'm one of the least you know uh i, I do not like hicks yeah, at all he needs to stay away um he needs to stay away but but the conversation kind of needs to be had and and let, let me just real quick here. Let me just see Tristan McKenzie's numbers. Um, yeah. Maybe there's a story. Maybe there's a story to tell there um, that could shed some light on whether they consider it. Um, Aaron Hicks over four. <laughs> Aaron Hicks over four. And Marwin. Interestingly enough, Marwin Gonzalez one for three with a homer. Now that would be quite the interesting move if, if they if they yeah. uh, use Marwin over Hicks. I mean, I, I guess it can be considered, but. You know, as well, though, I, I hope that he can break out of it, but there's concerns there. And, and not only, like you said, some key spots where he strikes out, but also what we'll talk about is in the 10th inning, it wasn't an easy play, but there was a slight bit of hesitation and the ball drops in front of him. So really a rough game for Oswaldo Cabrera. over for 5 with three strikeouts. And, and, and really the, the key, key at bat was the eighth inning, first and second one out. And he has a chance to walk, which which would have given it basically one out to Connor Falafa, and he swings at ball four. Yeah, that was rough. The eighth inning uh, was really our chance to do some real damage. And like you just said, Cabrera straight striking out swinging. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, Higgy actually kind of got a good piece of the bat. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just lined out to third. And, uh, you know, that kind of felt like the ball game even then. I, you know, I really did not have faith in this bullpen. Uh coming through for us and uh yeah that was it but yeah just very uh just disappointing with this offense um you know it's just so feast or famine and part of me thinks and I, I really hope that this is not the case but I almost feel like the Yankees are kind of you know poo-pooing this series in a sense and kind of looking forward to Houston a little bit especially after the way we kind of took care of business in game one I almost feel like again I mentioned it earlier but they kind of just, you know, kind of put their foot off the brakes and it just wasn't really that urgency kind of, play, you know, there was two errors today um, that were very routine kind of plays that were just, you know, just careless stuff that just really, you know, got the made the game uh, out of out of reach for us. Um, and, uh, you know, this Cleveland team, I feel like is. You know, a lot better than people are giving credit for. I mean, you know, they're they're able to string together hits. Yes, they're not a home run t uh, hitting team or anything like that. Um, but you know, they're they're capable of, like I said, putting together a rally, which they did. Um, you know, and it's just um, it's just a little alarming. So, like you said, hopefully, game three we can 
kind of get back to our old ways offensively, but it's not going to be an easy feat. No, it's not going to be easy at all. Cleveland, they're a pesky team, and they have really good pitching, and that goes a long way in the postseason. And the Yankees have good pitching themselves, but we've seen this Yankee offense really um, go very cold, especially in the postseason, and I wouldn't be surprised to, to see that again. Really, the formula for this game, and, and, and it's not going to get you by often, but they, they had to... You know, they had to keep that 2 nothing lead and kind of going back into sort of, uh, you know, the, the play-by-play of it all. Um, they're, they're up 2 nothing, and things are looking pretty good. And the Yankees had a chance, and, and what was key, Nestor Cortez, big 1-2-3 inning in the top of the second, which you want that. And I'm thinking, Absolutely. all right, perfect. Like, shut it right down, you know, keep them at zero. And in the second inning, the Yankees had a chance to tack on. Uh, IKF with a single with one out, steals second, but then unfortunately Trevino ground out and Bader ground out. Uh, you know, that bottom of the order, which was pretty effective in game one, uh, didn't do a whole lot in game two, the last couple of spots there. And then let's jump to, let's jump to the third, the bottom of the third. So so Nestor again puts up a zero at the top of the third. And this is where things, you know, and it's kind of like it was the reverse of game one, where game one, there was that key third inning where Cleveland really almost broke it open. Cole gets out of it, Bader homers, and the whole momentum f- switches. This kind of happened yep. here. So with one out, Rizzo walks. And it, it's funny, it kind of feels like Rizzo's the one that's being intentional, you know, the way the judge was being treated in the season, it's almost like Rizzo's getting that achievement where he's not getting a whole lot of pitches to hit. And then Glaber gets an infield single, so you're at first and second. To make things better, there's a wild pitch. And so it's second and third, one out. Yankees up 2 nothing. And I'm not going to kill Stan for this for many reasons. One of them being that the count, he already had two strikes on him. I kind of wish Stanton took more of a patient approach because you could tell that Bieber was trying to be fine with, with Stanton. It was a good pitch, and he strikes Stanton out. And so now it's second and third, two out. And then Josh Donaldson hits a nice line drive to the left. When it hit it, I'm thinking maybe this drops in front of Stephen Kwan. But Kwan runs in and makes the catch. So from what could have maybe been 4 nothing to still 2 nothing, and, and and that was a killer. That was absolutely a killer. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe we should just now pivot to Nestor because kind of shortly yeah. after that, we went to the bottom of the fourth inning. And it right. got very dicey for Nestor Cortez. Yes. Bases loaded, and uh, he makes an incredible play. Uh, ground yeah. ball right to him up in the sky. He fucking jumps up, grabs that thing, and, you know, makes a throw if you want to even call it a throw. But it got to Rizzo, and he was able to get the guy out at first. Um, yeah. And you think that, you know, that was a big moment, a big jam to get out of, and you kind of feel good about Nestor, especially, you know, like we were saying, he might not really have had his A-game stuff uh, today, but then um, you know, kind of comes back to earth a little bit in the fifth and gets taken out eventually. Yeah, the fourth inning is interesting because it, it should have never gotten there, uh, and, and you know, it could have been worse, but it certainly could have been better. He gets two quick outs, and so at this point, Nestor's really finding his groove a bit. Uh, like you could still tell that it wasn't like a the Cortez that we that we're more accustomed to seeing, but still, you got two outs going on, and Josh Naylor hits a little soft ground at a Glaber, um, and, and Glaber does the best he can. I, th- I think he barehands it, throws it to Rizzo, um, and unfortunately the connection just isn't there where um, I don't think full blame goes to anyone. It's more of bad luck. Um, could the throw from Glaber have been slightly better? Yes. Could Rizzo have made the catch? 
yes. And so the inning extends at that point, and it does come back to bite him. There's a four-pitch walk to Owen Miller, which y- you don't love. And then it's Andres Jimenez, lefty-lefty, uh, but Jimenez is one of their best hitters, and he's able to kind of dunk in an RBI single, makes it 2-1. to one. And then Austin Hedges walks, um, which, is, which is really insane. I think at that point... That was maybe a second walk, but like like Casey had said, um, bases loaded spot, 2-1 game, and Miles Straw hits sort of a comebacker at Cortez, and he makes a really nice play and, and sort of quickly throws it over to Rizzo, scoops it, and they get the out. So, you know, like you said, you're, you're feeling okay about things, but it's still 2-1. But then in the fifth inning, the former Met, um, who I feel like has really always kind of killed the Yankees going back to the Subway Series. Ahmed Rosario uh, hits a game-tying home run. And, and at that point, you know, you're not feeling good about things. So R- Rosario, you know, maybe not quite dead center, but he really got into it, you know, over 400 feet, 2-2 two, two, two ball game. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we started seeing the relief and started seeing some of the decisions made by Boone in terms of how to manage this bullpen. Um, just kind of walk me through what you were thinking as Boone was making these decisions for the yeah. later half of the game. Yeah. Um, it, it gets more and more questionable as we go on, I, I think, with Boone. Yeah. And, and I kind of wish that he was held more to the fire a little bit. And, and in Boone's defense, with the state of the Yankees bullpen, like there is no easy, easy answers, but there were some definitely things to question. So Lou Trevino comes on. I'm a Lou Trevino fan. I I like him. He had some rough numbers in Oakland. He's honestly been the best piece of the Frankie Montaz trade. <laughs> For real. Um, and, and so Trevino, who who got into who did run into some trouble. Um, there's a one out walk to Andre Simenez, but um, Sam is around some strikeouts. So there's a run on second, two outs, and he brings in Luizaga. And Jonathan Luizaga is seen as one of the top guys in the bullpen. And, and that has really played itself out. I've been a little bit hard on Luizaga. The strikeouts simply aren't there, but he's been good and was effective again today. However, I thought it was a quick hook on Trevino um, in this for a couple of reasons. Knowing that's a tie game, I, I kind of want to, and I know you have, I know that you're planning ahead because, you know, you might be playing Saturday, Sunday, maybe even Monday. But I, I wish Trevino was kept in there. Um, Luizaga does get straw out. So keep that in mind. Um, in the bottom of the six, the Yankees do. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of jump back and forth here on the bullpen decisions. Bottom of the six, Yankees get an opportunity. First and second, two out. And again, there, there's, there's Waldo Cabrera striking out uh, within this um, on a situation where um, yeah, this one would have been a strike. Uh, it was a full count. He swings and misses. So it's first and second, and they take out uh, Shane Bieber and bring in uh, Trevor Steffen, former Yankee prospect, and the Yankees decide to go with Matt Carpenter uh, in this spot. And, and I can't blame them. It was a tough call. Um, Carpenter probably does match up better than Trevino, but it's a tough spot for Carpenter. This is his first major league at bat in a long time, and unfortunately he strikes out. There were some pitches to hit there, but Carpenter goes down swinging. And so, and so we're still tied up at two. Going to the seventh, Luazia stays on, and um, Luazia does the job. Pitches a one, two, three, seventh. Then at the bottom of the seventh, Stefan strikes out the side. Bader, who struggled today offensively and defensively, um, and Judge and Rizzo go down as well. So to the eighth we go, 
and Luizaga gets the first out of the eighth. I agree with that entirely. You get the Randy Gonzalez out. Then Wandy Peralta, who for me is probably my favorite guy in the pen currently. Uh, he's just been very, he's, he works very quickly, doesn't throw that many pitches and gets the job done and does it here. He gets a couple of outs in the eighth. Um, and then we head to the bottom of the eighth where uh, James Karinchuk comes on and, and he was struggling to find the plate, uh, very much so. And um, Giancarlo Stanton walks with one out and th there's good and there's bad here. Uh, Tim LoCastro pinch runs, which is a good thing, but you, you lose Stanton's bat, which eventually that spot would come up. Um, and LoCastro is still second, does his job. Donaldson walks, and this was the big at bat we were talking about, whereas Waldo Cabrera really needed to draw a walk, almost did so, and swings at ball four. Connor Falafel walks, where in that moment I'm thinking, damn, I don't love this because now it'll be bases loaded. They're going to bring in Class A for Higgy, but to Higgy's credit, he does go down 0-2, but he hits a smash to third. Casey, I'm not sure what you thought. When he hit that ball, I'm thinking maybe that gets between short and third, but unfortunately right at Jose Ramirez. I thought so. I mean, I jumped out of my, my seat, but uh, yeah, unfortunately Ramirez fielded it, and uh, yeah, that was the end of the inning. It was quite a bummer. Yeah, that, that like you said before, that was the spot where it felt like you really had a chance. So so now we head to the ninth, the, uh, the ninth inning, um, and, and Wandy, as he should have, starts the inning and he gets Jimenez out. Where I get frustrated is is then Clay Holmes gets brought in. And it was kind of similar to the last setting where there, there was a little bit of bad, but, but actually he did okay, Clay Holmes. But I just wish that guys were pushed a little bit further so that we didn't eventually have to go to Jamison Tyone in the 10th. Like maybe you could have had Wandy pitch the ninth and then Clay Holmes pitch the 10th inning. I understand you can't map it out quite like that. But anyway, Holmes comes on, gets the first out, but then he walks Miles Straw, which is was potentially a recipe for disaster. Um, and to make matters worse, Anthony Rizzo uh, with a fielding error on a ground ball by Stephen Kwan. You, you, you expect more from, from Rizzo, and I know he makes a lot of good plays, but that's the play he needs to make. It almost come back, come back to bite them, yep. but then Holmes does get Ahmed Rosario to ground out. So that portion is done and in the bottom of the ninth um class a still on i wish that they had worked his pitch count more um there's a one-out single by rizzo but then torres grounds out so we head to extra innings and at that point holmes had thrown too many pitches and they go to jameson tyone and um i had said this at the time it wasn't as if like i wanted to see how it would go but this was jameson tyone's first ever relief appearance um you start getting a little bit cute. And maybe this is a, a slight second guess, but this is where you run into trouble. What comes to mind to me, just as an example, with getting cute is like a couple of years ago. Now, it's not quite to this level. It really isn't. But like with the whole J-Hap, Davey Garcia, the Davey Garcia, J-Hap thing, like yep. let's just kind of stick to the guys that are in the bullpen. And, and part of the fucking problem is, is that there's been a lot of injuries Scott F. Ross would have been in the spot. Ron Marinaccio would have been in the spot. Yeah. Michael King would have been in the spot. Chad Green would have been in the spot. I can go on and on. So, like, now you bring in Jamison Tyome. And it's not as if he got beat around the park. But they spoke about it on the Yes Network post game. But for some reason, no one asked about it to Boone. Um, and, and, and the weird thing, and then David Cohn was saying, oh, you know, Jamison Tyone... You know, he was kind of the long guy. Um, you know, once he got to extra innings, like they just wanted links to him. But 
I have to disagree with him because Clark Schmidt was warming up as soon as Tyone got ready. So this was not a situation where Tyone was just guaranteed to go the rest of the way. Um, plus the fact that knowing that game five is a possibility, you might need Tyone now. I'm not even sure if I necessarily even want to go in that direction. But I don't know. what did, That that was a, a, a spot where, like, you can't destroy Boone for it, but, like, stick to the script. Stick with Schmidt. Like, he is more of a strikeout pitcher than Tyone. He knows he's been in the pen. Look, maybe he, maybe mentally it wouldn't have worked, but this was where Boone probably goes wrong with Tyone. Yeah. I mean, and I absolutely agree, especially what you were saying to earlier about keeping Peralta in there for longer. And then you have maybe have Holmes pitch the 10th inning. It just exactly. seemed like he was just going way too much by the book Boone and just kind of, you know, throwing out homes here because this is analytically what was probably the best thing for them instead of just kind of feeling out the situation and seeing that Peralta seemed like he was in very much in control of the situation and just let it just let it happen. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. I mean, we have discussed this in the past, but, you know, Boone's ability to kind of gauge, uh, you know, the actual current climate of the situation versus what's on his little piece of paper telling him what to do. He's had a lot of difficulty with that in the past. And I think, yeah, like I think, yeah, ultimately it's not all on him. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. he probably could have kept Peralta in there longer. Um, you know, just let the situation breathe a little bit. Don't be so quick to change things up just because, you know, this is what the anal you know the analytics are telling you. It just seemed very much like that. And, you know, we've seen it backfire quite a lot with, with Boone. Yeah, and, and like it goes back to even earlier with, with Trevino, like let him I, go a little bit longer too. It's all, you know, it, it's it's a domino effect. And so that's part of it. And look, it's not fair to totally crush Boone because this is also Brian Cashman as well. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a set formula that they definitely discuss before the game begins. Like, all right, if it's this spot, this is who we're going to go with. Um, and, and so, like, that's a tough one there. Um, I And it's easy to say after the fact, right? If Tyone does well, we're, we're really not talking about it. Like, just that's the, that's the facts. But, um, yeah, with Tyone, it, it didn't quite work out. And some of it not his fault. Honestly, uh, Jose Ramirez dunks a double into left. Um, whereas Waldo Cabrera, you wish it wasn't an easy play, but it was, he just slightly hesitated at the end and it drops in to make matters worse. Josh Donaldson, and he was trying to do the right thing. And this is a really set things off. If he was just at second base, you really could have worked out of it. And we'll talk about that, how you really could have, but Unfortunately, Donaldson throws it away, and so Ramirez ends up at third. And Ramirez, it's great hustle. Jose Ramirez is their best player, and that's great hustle. Whereas Josh Donaldson, for example, I hate to, you know, and look, he's been good, Donaldson, but um, this is where you got to hustle out of the box. Yeah. And, and force the team to make mistakes. And they force the Yankees to make mistakes. So now what happens is because there's a runner on third, the infield is in. And so Oscar Gonzalez dunks a ball where if you're at normal death, Anthony Rizzo is easily making that catch. But now it dunks in. And so because Ramirez at third, the run scores and it makes it three to two. So if the runner's on second, you, you probably can navigate out of that. But then, so where Tyone at that point, all right, you know what? Dink and dunk, then he kind of gets hit hard. Josh Naylor doubles. Yep. And, and I'm not sure if Harrison Bader 
could have made this play, but his route, he was looking like Aaron Hicks out there, uh, did not look really good. And of course, the Yankees can't catch the break where I was hoping it could maybe bounce over for a ground rule double. Now, only that would happen to the Yankees. So it, it stays in play. Gonzalez scores. It's 4-2. And Tyone is out of the game at that point. Um, so, you know, once they make it 4-2, you kind of feel like it's done. And, and another thing is, if, if you had kept it scoreless, they probably take Class A out of the game at that point, too. But now, since Cleveland has this lead, they leave Class A in. Give Clark Schmidt credit. He's able to hold it at 4-2. What I found perplexing, and it wasn't a huge deal, the Yankees just hate intentionally walking people because you have a runner on third, one out. Andres Jimenez is up with Luke Maley on deck and then Miles Straw, and they're pitching him. Luckily, it worked out, but I just could not understand that for the life of me. The Yankees, and that's another fucking... I, I, I know that's an analytical thing. I, I think intentionally walking, I think, is against analytics. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what they did, and that was just an easy spot. But anyway, no harm, no foul. So we go to the bottom of the 10th, and Emmanuel Classe stays on, and... and what I found interesting at the time, but now it makes more sense, Tim Castro hits for himself with Aaron Hicks and Marlon Gonzalez on the bench. And I think Classe is a reverse split guy. In other words, he's better versus lefties than righties. So they leave Castro in there. And the ump, you know, it's interesting. Castro was the count 2-0 at the time? Maybe it was 1-0. There was a strike that was really probably a ball. And eventually, LoCastro flies out. Then Josh Donaldson walks. I mean, Class A was losing the plate. And then as Waldo Cabrera, again, you know, with a chance to redeem himself, strikes out. And he helped Class A as well. And then in Connor Falefa, tying run, uh, two outs, he grounds out to end the game. And so a very, uh, uh, you know, a lot to unpack there. There was a lot of sort of strategy involved and some, you know, the game could have went either way, like, a couple of things where the Yankees could have held that lead early on, but the offense needs to do a lot more. And they had that chance in the eighth. Higgy hits that line drive. It doesn't work out. And the Yankees lose four to two in 10 innings. Yeah. Um, you know, just everything that we've known about the Yankees in terms of their weaknesses kind of came into play really today, um, unfortunately. And hopefully we can bounce back in game three. But kind of as we're wrapping up here, I mean, how do you feel about game three? How do you feel about Severino? How do you feel about our chances to beat up on McKenzie? Um, yeah, just tell me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, game three is going to be tough. Cleveland you know, they're going to be into it. Fans are going to be going wild, um, you know, if you think about it. And we've seen longer drafts in the postseason, but Cleveland hasn't seen fans in the stadium. Now, if you remember, we played them in 2020 in the wild card round with no fans. But the last time that Cleveland um, hosted a postseason game, I believe, was 2018. Now, we faced them in 2017, but I believe they did have a series, I, I think, versus the Astros. So it's been a little while, um, and, and the fa fans are going to be really into it. Tristan McKenzie uh, has had a very good season for Cleveland and gave the Yankees problems. The one loss the Yankees had this season was to Tristan McKenzie at Cleveland. Yeah. And, and Luis Severino, um, you know, I'm optimistic, but, you know, it's been his one... Um, his, actually, his one postseason victory was against Cleveland. I believe I was actually at that game. I think it was game four uh, of the ALDS in 2017. But we've seen ups and downs from Severino. He's at a different point in his career now. You know, back then he was kind of more considered, I guess, the ace or maybe Tanaka. And, and we saw Severino really shit his pants in some big spots. I'm not expecting that here. I think that he'll keep them in it. But you're expecting a lot from Severino. So I don't 
this is a game that I think will be difficult. If you can win it, I, I think you're feeling a lot better about things because game four is likely a game one rematch of Garrett Cole, which again, like we need to see how he does again, versus Cal Quantrill, which on paper, you give the Yankees the edge there. So um, this is going to be a really big game three. Um, going into it, it's the game that I think I feel the worst about. Uh, out of all of them, if you lose it, the series isn't over. But I don't know. Um, I'm kind of curious what you think in terms of if I told you, uh, would you take there being a game five? In other words, would you take a split of the two games in Cleveland? I mean, I think if it did get to a game five, I think I still feel pretty good about us coming through with it. But um, yeah, I mean, I really see this game tomorrow as a must win. I really do. Um, yeah. Even with Garrett Cole in game four, because we know that you know, he's capable of giving up the home run ball. And, yes, you know, we just got to hope that that home run ball is not a three-run home run coming a solo shot or something like that. But, you know, it seems like it's almost inevitable at this point that he's going to give up that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I still want to believe that our bats are going to come through for us um, because um, – yeah, I mean, I just feel like this team, you know, I just feel like Judge is due to break out. I really, I still have faith in him and I still have faith in some of these other batters that I haven't really showed up today, like Bader, for example. I still have, you know, good hopes for him. But, you know, again, like, I just feel like a lot of people in just in, in the media in general have kind of counted Cleveland out from the get-go and that this should have been an easy, easy series for us. And I never really saw it like that. Um yeah. You know, I think, yes, we are the better team. Yes, we should take care of business. But, look, baseball is a weird sport, and anything can happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, I think this game tomorrow is huge. Yeah, yeah, it, it is huge. And I, and I agree. I, I never thought the Yankees would win it in three. I guess I was maybe hopeful that maybe the Yankees win the first two, maybe lose game three in Cleveland, maybe maybe wrap it up in four in a best-case scenario. But I agree. I mean, Cleveland, um, like, their pitching is excellent. Um, and you know Terry Francona. You know, we 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 know him all too well from the Red Sox. Way too um, well. And, and, and so you know that, that he's going to have them ready. Uh, and so you, it was never going to be easy. A couple before we close out, a couple of just thoughts that I'm having. I'm, I'm wondering yeah, what you think on this in terms of potential lineup changes. Um, there's two that potentially come to mind. Um, one of them being at the catcher position, and I, I'm not saying I endorse it, but I'm wondering if it's possible. Um, Kalagashioka had been doing well down the stretch. We did see him have that nice line drive. And, but the bigger thing here is, uh, and, and I, I should have given this more of an in-depth look on a game log standpoint, but I'm uh, almost 100% positive. Higashioka was the catcher for Severino in that seven no-hit inning game versus Texas. Yep. So you just wonder if maybe, and, and regardless of how Higgy does in this game, they'll go back to Trevino with Cole in game four. Ironically enough, you know, where Higgy used to be Cole's catcher, right. it's now Cole Trevino. I do wonder if maybe Higgy, 
Uh, if he finds himself in the lineup with Severino, is that sort of a battery mate situation? Just a thought here. I don't think it's something that people are thinking about, but if we look at that lineup and see Higgy in there, I wouldn't be stunned. Not me either. By that. Me either. Not at all. And I, you know, like you said, the last outing, you know, was basically, well, it was a no hitter for, uh, for Seve. So you might yeah. as well just keep that going is, you know, until something doesn't uh, quite click, but yeah, I, I could yeah. definitely see Higgy in the lineup tomorrow at the starting lineup and then, you know, have Trev come in later on if we need. It, it, exactly. Like one of those things again, where Carpenter pinch hits for, for, right. for Higgy and then you bring Trevino in. So that wouldn't surprise you. And, and then the interesting thing again, Oswaldo Cabrera, um, yeah. do, do they stick with him or will you see Hicks or even Marwin, uh, replace him. That, that that's the bigger question, and, and I'm curious to see where you go with it. Um, what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, just the way that you know I see Boone and the way that Boone operates, I feel like Boone is going to give Cabrera that that other chance in this game. But if he doesn't deliver, let's say in two at bats, maybe then you you pivot to Gonzalez or something like that. But I think right now, gun to my head, I think Boone sticks with Cabrera just for consistency sake and just because he's a young kid with that, you know, tenacity and that grit and everything. So that's what I would lean towards at the moment. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I, yeah. I do. Um, especially because I really think Hicks, I think, is really, which I'm happy about, I think he's really fallen out of favor. Yeah. Like, like I, I really think that they don't want to go there. And even though Marwin does weirdly have that one for three with a homer, I, I don't think that's quite enough of a sample size for them to just to go in a different direction. Now, yeah. like you said, if, if it's Waldo struggles in game three, I really think the noise will increase further. I guess maybe this is a better question. Maybe, maybe Cabrera, maybe you slot him down where maybe you move kind of left up to the sixth spot, maybe move as Waldo down to the seven hole. Mm. Um, maybe you see a tweak like that. Yeah, I could definitely um, see that. Yeah. You, you know, because I think kind of Falefa is someone that you kind of, especially with Donaldson getting on as much as he does, Kondalova is one of the guys that you kind of like in a spot to maybe just get that RBI single, just to kind of make some contact and and to kind of move the line, you know, along. So, yeah, um, going to be an interesting uh, game three as as we shift to Cleveland. Will will the series end in Cleveland? Do we go back to New York? I think certainly those chances have definitely increased that we do go to a game five. And if I had to predict, and this is probably the easy prediction, is I, I think that. I don't know which one it is, but I, I think you you might see a split in Cleveland. I think you might be seeing a game five in New York, but these things can turn quickly. Uh, we've seen it in the past and years, in, you know, in, in Yankee years past where the Yankees have lost that critical game to at home and never found their way home. I think about 2002 against the Angels. Yeah. Uh, I think about 2006 versus the Tigers um, as a couple of examples where, you know, things are looking great after game one. And then just like that, it's gone. So we'll see what happens. Tough loss today. Hope the Yankees can shake it off and, and Aaron Judge can uh, can get back to the way that he was as as the series shifts back to Cleveland. Yeah, we're looking at you, Judge, man. Let's uh, let's get some hits going, at least make some contact with the ball, man. I mean, you did get a ground ball, so I guess that is partial contact, but we need actual hits now. But uh, hopefully uh, we're wrong about this game five and it just ends in four with the Yankees getting two in Cleveland. Um, we'll be back here tomorrow for a game three recap. But uh, again, this is the New York number two sports show. Guys, please subscribe. We've built up a little bit of a fan base here. We're trying to keep the momentum going. Um, you know, we cover all things Rangers, New York Giants, and of course the Yankees right here. 
So, you know, there'll be a Ranger game uh, later tonight. We'll be recapping that as well. Of course, the Giants game uh, happens on Sunday. Big one against the Ravens. So, guys, Huge. please, just New Yorkers, you know, we want you to be part of this community with us. Um, you know, we love our New York sports. And, uh, yeah, let's go Yankees. Derek, it's been a pleasure. Um, audience, we love you all.